Coworking is exploding all over the US and Alex Hillman was one of the first to build one years ago. So today we're gonna to have him on the show where he's gonna talk about why co-working spaces are really an important consideration for those who normally work from home and maybe you're perfectly happy working from home, but why you should consider it. And he'll talk about great ways for people who even are really experienced in co-working to maximize their experience, both for introverts and for extroverts. So stay tuned. As you know, Building Remote Teams is a brand new podcast. And to celebrate our launch, we have some really awesome discounts to give you from some of our favorite tools for remote teams. We have discount tools for 1Password, Donut, Hey Taco, Carrot, BirthdayBot, KarmaBot, and a ton more. All you need to do is to go to buildingremoteteams.com and subscribe with your email. You'll get a link to the page with all of the recommended tools and discounts that I mentioned above. Now, on to the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to Building Remote Teams. I'm here with Alex Hillman. How are you doing, Alex? Welcome. I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Wicked. We talked years ago, and I'm really excited that you accepted to, to to come on the show. Alex, tell me where you're at right now. You got some cool, funky stuff in the background. If people are just listening on the podcast, they can't see it. But tell us a little bit about your space, what you see when you look around. Yeah, so I'm sitting in one of the, the meeting rooms at Indie Hall, which is my co-working space. And this room in particular doubles as a uh, podcast recording and voiceover studio as well. So the art you see behind me is uh, from a big collaborative art show that we did a couple of years ago, actually right after we moved into this building. And one of the nice things about these pieces is they actually have some acoustic foam behind them. So it helps uh, helps with the acoustics in this room. Um, but yeah, so this is where we come to record podcasts, record screencasts. And when the microphones aren't hot, you can come jump in here and have a meeting as well. Mm, that sounds great. So you're pretty well known as someone who started this thing called Indie Hall. Tell us a little bit about that and it, does, if that's still going. Yeah, yeah. So Indie Hall is the the name of the community and the the namesake co-working space that I mentioned before. In 2005 or so, I had gone out on my own as a freelance web developer and loved having all the things that come with going out on your own mm -hmm. freedom and flexibility of who I'm working with and what I'm working on. But frankly, I really missed having coworkers. You know, the really great stuff that you get out of work, the conversations in the kitchen or if I'm stuck on a problem, I can not waste time Googling around. I can go turn to somebody who knows a bit more than me and ask a question or even just kind of casually overhearing what people are working on and that, you know, sparking my own creativity and working from home, working from my bedroom, working literally seven feet away from where I slept was not doing great things for my productivity or my creativity. And I kept looking around going, well, where are the people who do stuff like what I do? I'm in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I, you know, I'd go online and I had connections. I had this online community of other creative people they're in the Bay Area and they're in New York City, but I didn't really know who my peers were in Philadelphia. And so I went out to find them one by one. And this is pre-meetup.com. There were no co-working spaces to, to be spoken of. And so it was really a, you know, an act in old school networking of, you know, who do you know? Oh, I know somebody who runs a web app in 2005, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. um, and literally meeting one person and then saying, well, who else do you know? And realizing that a thing we all had in common was that we didn't really know many other people or where to go to find them. And so our own community sort of became the solution to that problem. And as the club grew, the club started getting interested in having a clubhouse. Mm. 
And that's sort of where the Indie Hall co-working space was born. Uh, there were some folks that were doing something that they were calling co-working in the Bay Area. The first space in the U.S. was called that. Uh, was It wasn't even called anything. It was just a co-working day in a yoga studio on a couple of days that they were closed. And the, the guy who organized that basically said to folks, I'm going to work from here for the day. Does anybody want to come and work with me? That grew into the first dedicated space in San Francisco called Citizen Space. And I was doing some consulting with those folks. And I started like, connecting the dots between what they were doing at Citizen Space, what I, my community was sort of asking for here in Philadelphia and said, maybe we should figure out a way to make that actually sustainable here. And about nine months later, open the doors to our very first co-working space. Wow. And that's, that's what's called Indie Hall. Even today, it's still around. Still have the same name. Um, we've, like I said, we've grown that initial club of, you know, 20 to 25 people or so that joined with a membership um, is now around 400 members. That original location that was around 1,800 square feet, it was like, you know, a loft that somebody might even live in has grown to uh, a little over 16,000 square feet. We, we've learned a lot along the last 13 years. It'll be 13 years in August. As well as co-working has become this like global phenomenon that now happens in every, at least every major city in the world, increasingly in smaller cities and towns on every, basically every continent, except for Antarctica, I believe. Wow. And, you know, even being connected into communities around the world through this means, you know, the, the, I think about all the time, like the full circle from here I am in my bedroom in Philadelphia, feeling so disconnected and isolated to now, not only do I have my incredible community here in Philadelphia, but I can roll into basically any city in the world and find people who are like-minded, find people who are heads down working, but when they take a break, they want to meet other creative people and, you know, share ideas or not even share ideas, just like talk about whatever stuff we're into. The odds of, of us having common interests or being able to find people with common interests goes up once you walk in the door of a co-working space. Oh, yeah. You know, so I've been part of a co-working space 2000, since 2012, pretty regular. So I try to go maybe once or twice a week. You know, my situation though, you know, I've always worked remotely. Well, I've worked remotely for a decade and I, I like my home office. It's fair. It's, it's great. So like, what would be the value for someone to, to go to a co-working space if you're normally working from home? Maybe it's the same reasons if you're an extrovert or an yeah. introvert, you know, I don't, I don't know, but like someone's like, someone's trying to figure out the reasons. Yeah. Already so, I mean, I think what's, you're what's right. It depends a bit on the person. It depends on your own work style at the very baseline. I think that's common regardless whether you're an introvert an extrovert or even what kind of work you do. I think there's value in a change of scenery just to shake things up. Right. So I think one of the common problems with folks who work from home is it becomes like routine is good for productivity, but the flip side of this, sometimes too much routine, you get in a rut and you start losing perspective or you wake up and you're almost a little too certain of exactly how the day is going to go. And your again, your creativity, I think, will be sparked by being around other people. Another thing sometimes is folks struggle with motivation and distraction. And we can get into a little bit about what distraction looks like in a co-working space, because I think that's a, a common question and, and a thing worth addressing. But I think when when folks are working from home and are you know struggling with motivation, that change of scenery can be really valuable. Being around other people who are motivated and working is a really great way to kind of pull yourself out of a rut. I know more and more folks, especially in the technology world, I know we're talking about mental health and depression, and you know I think there's a real truth to to 
part of the solution to that is surrounding yourself with other people who you actually might get a sense that they, you know, they know you and they care about you. And granted, some co-working spaces are going to be more of a, a place where you sort of just go in, put in a lap, you know, drop down your laptop, put in your headphones and get to work. But I encourage folks to really look for that local independent space where people actually do take some time out of their day to get to know each other. And there's, you know, some staff who part of their job is to curate those interactions and, and help people find each other. I, I think that a lot of folks have shifted towards this mentality of a co-working space as an alternative to an office, in which case it's not really a super compelling offer compared to a lot of other options where I could be getting you know, a private office or if I've got a comfortable opportunity to work hmm. from home. But I think the key thing is to look at what are the shortcomings of working from home. And I think that isolation, which shows up in different ways for different people, I think is really at the heart of it. The majority of the people that walk in the door, I'd say they fall into one of two categories. They're either someone who knows full well that they're not going to be maybe disciplined enough to be in a room by themselves all day and get work done. So they, they need other people around to remind them that they're mm. professionals. And then there's other folks who it's more of like a low, slow burn of, you know, I, I've been doing this for a little while. You know, my my home routine is good, but maybe it's been a few days since I left the house and talked to somebody other than, you know, my partner or the cat and having having <laughs> yeah. those conversations, I think, is really important for our for our brains, for our psyche. And even if you're an introvert, I think having a place where you feel safe and comfortable, having a one on one conversation with someone you recognize is is a valuable place to be able to go to when you need it. But I also think that figuring out where it fits into your routine is part of the thing. Most people, I don't think can or should be working in a co-working space every single day. I think it should be part of a mix. A couple days a week, a couple days a month, something regular to to change things up from mm. wherever your usual spot is. Or if your usual spot is in a co-working space, change mm. that up too. Nice. What are some of the flavors of co-working spaces? If someone's you know thinking of wanting to start to explore some of the different opportunities out there. You mentioned one thing, which I thought was interesting, is is finding a local independent space. Is this a jab at like the WeWorks or something? Is that like a different flavor than than others or what is the difference? I mean, I think, I, I mean, to a degree, yes. I mean, the, the reality is, is the the independent co-working spaces tend to just know who their community is um whereas the bigger corporate ones are serving they tend to not be serving individuals so much as they are teams and corporations you know if you look at the majority of people that are in you know we work or an industrious or something like that you know they're there for a variety of reasons and there are individuals but one of the things that i hear a lot including folks who end up here after you know they've they've run out of contract in a, in sort of a big box co-working space that that you know maybe was their first introduction to co-working that's been a, a common thing people that don't know what co-working is their first impression is what they've heard about in the news or via facebook ads so they they go sure. and they try something out and they're like you know they're talking about community and and i'm not really feeling it it feels kind of cold and impersonal <laughs> and again i think there's 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 utility to all. I almost compare it to like the difference between going to a hotel versus staying in a bed and breakfast, right? So both of those experiences are really good for different reasons. And with a hotel, you have this consistency. It's predictable. But and and the the service orientation, if it's a good hotel, um, might make your life easier in some way. But I've never gone to a hotel and left feeling like I was connected with with other people. In fact, hotels tend to be designed. No, sure. They tend to be designed 
designed for isolation. And I think a lot of the, the, the bigger corporate co-working spaces have basically followed that service and, and sort of encapsulation model, whereas your local space is going to be they, the, the, the owner, operator and staff are a part of the community. They're not concierge. They're they're part of the scene too. And I think that is a, a cultural nuance that's not obvious until you start seeing it as a pattern. And for folks who are feeling disconnected and really wanting to try co-working because of the human connection element, I, that's why I, I tend to think mm -hmm. that your your local and independent co-working space is gonna give you a better a better result. That makes sense. I mean, my my co-working space, they have Thursday communal lunches where they actually sponsor lunches. And, you know, it's something simple. It's like, you know, these meat flatbreads or cheese flatbread, you know, everyone just has that. We all try out the different spice, the spice bottle, whatever. Like sauces and stuff. Sauces, yeah, spice, yeah. yeah, spicy sauces on our stuff. And we talk about that. And, and it's great. Like, it's a great time to sit down. Usually someone from the community has got a presentation. But, you know, when I was also at WeWork, they didn't, didn't have that at all. They had kind of meetups that would show that would that they'd invite to come and be there, but they would never... You know, take the time to get to know me. What are some other kind of also spectrum? Oh, so yeah, go ahead. I was go ahead. I was gonna say I think it also depends on like who's in the room, right? Hmm. So I, I, you know, I think about one of the like kind of tropes somewhere between a trope and a, and a core value of co-working as more of a movement than an industry is this idea of, of collaboration over competition. And so sometimes folks will say, well, wait a second, are you actually like, there's another co-working space open up down the street and you're telling me they're not in competition with you. And I said, they may believe that they're in competition with us, but I know why people join Indie Hall and it's for the other people. And if the value of why people are here are the other people, you can't copy the people that are here. Oh, interesting. Um, so the makeup, the makeup of the people in the room will be a, a portion of the culture. I'd say the culture of any given co-working space is a combination of leadership and the people in the room. And those two things are obviously fused together in the same way they are in terms of culture within any team. But the difference with a co-working space is it's all people choosing to be there. So I think any one co-working space, you know, regardless of what it looks like, the aesthetic of it might be part of why you choose it. The location might be part of why you choose it. But I think the, the main thing is, is really like, who are the other people in the room? Do you have things in common or do they, are they interested in the things that you're into as much as you might be interested in the things they're into? Are there yeah. opportunities to help each other, not just professionally, but also personally? The other analogy that I'll often, I'll often use, and this has become an interesting one is as co-working has become more and more mainstream is how often folks move to Philadelphia, for instance, and within a first couple of weeks of them being here, and maybe the second or third thing they do after they sign a lease, sometimes even before they find a place to live, is they join Indie Hall. And wow, really? the, uh, the best comparison I've been able to draw it to is the way, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, people would move to a new town or city and they look for their local church or synagogue or mosque because it was a place they could go to shortcut into a community of people with shared values and interests that as they were figuring out where to be, how to be, how to sort of build their life in a place that the church community or the religious community would be able to support that. We're not a religious community, but we really focus hard on the shared values side of it, which I think means that folks feel that if they come here, they have some sense of trust that we're going to be able to provide connections into the community, not just what they need on day one when they land in, in the city, or maybe not in the city, but in a new hmm. career or new to entrepreneurship or new to remote work. There's other people here that are doing or have done the same thing that they want to do, that they want to pursue the direction they're going, the goals that they have. And if we make that visible, people are attracted to that. And those people finding each other is really, at the end of the day, what I consider success. Wow, I love that. I think you've. I, it's obvious that you've put a lot of thought into 
you know what your you want your co-working space to be i'm not sure if all all co-working spaces have done that where it's just literally bums and seats pay you know pay me the 100 100 150 bucks show up and you know bobs your uncle there's a lot of there is a lot of that and i think the challenge right now is a signal to noise issue you may notice i'm full of analogies because when you're describing something that is kind of abstract um, or people have limited exposure to it sometimes that's all i've got to work with hmm. the analogy i use at this point co-working has become as specific of a word as the word restaurant and the word restaurant okay. barely describes anything beyond you know a transaction for something edible that's really all you know. And, <laughs> and co co co-working is, is similar. You know, with restaurants, we have additional jargon like fast food, fast casual, fine dining. You have different cuisines like Thai and Italian and, you know, and a deli. And you have a sense of even just by saying those words, you have something you imagine of what it's going to be like, the kind of service you're going to be like, who, other, who else is going to be there. Co-working, we've just got one word. And that's part of why I've been leaning on the word independent co-working because it's not it's not all inclusive, but I think it tends to get people in a, in a particular direction where if they hear me talking about this stuff, they'll have a sense of, well, maybe these folks have the same the same reality that they're trying to operate. But the I think the part of the key here is, is that, yes, there are more and more people who see something like what Indie Hall is, whether they know Indie Hall exists or not, they recreate the surface level elements, you know, the the cool looking office, the Ikea desks, the lounges and the, and the you know, shared kitchen and stuff like that. But they don't put the work into the 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 cultural interactions. At the same time, there are people who do. I just think there are currently fewer of them compared to the many, 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 many cookie cutter shared office options that are out there. So when folks are trying out co-working spaces, I generally encourage them, like if there are a few in your city, like plan out a month where you're going to spend a few days at each because each one's going to be different. It's really nice. hard to tell on a first impression, you know, that person might be really good at, at saying all the same things I'm saying, but can they deliver on it? And d one day at a time is really tough to figure out, is this is this legit? But if you spend, you know, two or three days in a row, you're gonna get a sense of, okay, some days are quieter, some days a little more bustly, you know, you may get there on a day where they're doing one of those community lunches, or there's another kind of, you know, social meetup, or, you know, some days in here, it's quiet like a library to the point where someone coming on a tour will be very, surprised at how quiet it is and then four hours later you look around right. and it seems like every third cluster of desks has got two people talking to each other and how do you control that you don't it's sort of just the natural ebb and flow of the day so so you're right there there is a, hmm. a wide spectrum between sort of indie hall type experiences and these more cold sterile impersonal experiences and it's tough to tell the difference between them without physically being in the room i'd say that's a challenge for the co-working industry to figure out how to solve whether it's by coming up with our own version of the language like right. you know it's not going to be thai and italian and delhi but i think we need more language otherwise folks are, you know it, it, i don't think it's fair to the folks that are interested in this to have such terrible tools to find the experiences they're looking for but it's a young industry so we've still got some time to figure it out yeah i guess it is what are some other axes that exist on you know for the co-working space you mentioned one is being a bit more like cold sanitary you know here just so you can get your work done it's a space yeah versus you know indie hall which sounds very warm very community very you know connection centric what are some other kind of spectrums of co-working spaces just so when people yeah. go 
you know, they have some sort of framework to think, oh, this place is a bit more like this and that's kind of what I want or, ooh, it's more like this and, yep. you know, Alex told me not to go to that type of place. <laughs> you know, I don't know. So another, another variation I would say is like focus versus diversity in terms of their membership. So there's places that'll be super okay. focused on startups versus a place that is open to basically anybody. And in fact, you know, somewhere in between is the person, the, I would say is the, the group that's intentional about it being open to everybody. I don't think that, I mean, I personally, my personal biases are obviously towards this more open and diverse ecosystem. I think there's more value, but depending on the work that you do, sometimes the more focused version might be what you're looking for. Or again, like I was saying before, sometimes it's about mixing it up. You know, you might, your best scenario might be sometimes working from home, sometimes working from the place that is more, you know, open and connected into the wider community. In another place, you know, we actually have memberships to two co-working spaces. We've got a growing number of members that, that do that mm. as well. They come to Indie Hall for that warmth and community. They go to other places because it's where the people that they do business deals are are actually working. And so there's a different kind of value they can get <laughs> out of it. And I actually think that's pretty great. Yeah, that makes sense. When I was at, so I was part of Hub Ottawa, which is part of this larger kind of hub network. And it has a very, it's very, has a strong flavor of kind of social enterprise yeah. type of stuff. And when I was kind of freelancing, building these for these for-profit companies, you know, I talked to people and they're like, oh, I'm, I work for name social company here. And I'm like, oh, like, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm a for-profit consultancy. And they kind of look <laughs> at you a little bit like, oh, like, why are you here? And you're like, I guess uh, when enough people say that, you kind of wonder, like, maybe this is not the best place for me. So I always kind Am of I felt right a little place? bit weird. They were there, you know, they were explicitly very welcoming towards me, but I think the undertones were like, you know, we want to have these kind of social enterprise things. Where now, you know, the co-working space I'm at initially was kind of branded. The subtext was the place for tech entrepreneurs. And now it's just for, you know, remote workers where all of us have that kind of that same same thing where, you know, we're, we're part of a larger team. Totally. I'd say like one of the, the last vectors that I'll point to, and this might also depend on the kind of person you are and the kind of community experiences that, that really resonate with you, is I mentioned before that sort of difference between a hotel and a, a B&B. The more service-oriented places, that more concierge will sort of packed with services. Basically, everything's an upsell. We can do things premium, premium, premium versus the place that's a bit more DIY. But I'd say the other the other component of that is the place that invites the members to actually contribute, right? So for folks that really want to get involved into their, their business community, their creative community, or really whatever kind of local community you want to be a part of, one of the things that I tend to encourage people to look for are places where members are actively involved, not just in coming to events, but actually creating the events. You know, if there's art on the walls, did that art come from members or friends of members? When you look around, is the only are the only people that are doing the introductions? This is one of my favorite like clues is you know, if the coffee pot runs out, who makes another pot of coffee? Is it the community nice. manager or is it the person who took the last cup? And, you know, I'm going to throw yet another analogy on the table. I think about it like a neighborhood. You know, what makes a neighborhood a great neighborhood? Is it all the city services? 
Or is it that neighbors take care of not just the space in front of and behind their home, but, you know, you go to a neighborhood cleanup or there's, you know, other sort of shared caretaking, you know, those kinds of spaces tend to correlate with both the warmth and the diversity for a bunch of sort of cultural reasons. But I think one of the things that and if there's anybody that is part of running or thinking about starting a co-working space, I always encourage folks, you know, even if that's not part of things from the start, I think it's something that starts to unlock the the energy and the connections between the people in the room and take that mm. from being a, a place that I, you know, when, when people say I, I use a co-working space versus I belong to a co-working mm -hmm. space, the jump between them is generally what your sense of contribution is. I think there's a strong correlation of, be, of a sense of belonging to whether or not I feel like I could contribute to making this better in some way. I can contribute to a fellow member. I can contribute to the physical space. I can contribute to events. If I showed up with an idea, somebody would say, that's a great idea. We, we can actually work together to make that happen. Amazing. Um, let's say I'm an introvert uh, at a co-working space. You know, how can I go about just kind of meeting people? Maybe the facilitation's okay, yep. you know, with a with a community director or something. But you know, I, I go there and I'm uh, I'm like I kind of want to meet people, but I'm not great at it. This isn't my case. I got voted social butterfly uh, award <laughs> at, for my co-working space as being the first one to introduce themselves. So I love it. It's just because I'm there. Just that's, that's why I'm there. I have, totally. I have less I have my expectation of achieving less by when I go to my, co my co-working space, just because I want to just hang out and, Absolutely. And, and, and network a little bit. But you know, for those people that just have a harder time doing that, how can they get to have that same value of yep. connection at a co-working space? So, so two suggestions that I'll, I'll share. Um, one is to maybe put less focus on the events that are happening and look for opportunities to connect one-on-one, -on -one, especially if you're more comfortable one-on-one. -on -one. And that could include, you know, asking, you know, the person sitting next to you, hey, what are you doing for lunch? I'm new here. Do you have any lunch recommendations or would you like to get lunch together? And having those one-on-one -on -one interactions rather than the bigger, you know, sometimes architected social or meetup events can become really overwhelming for, for an introvert. Mm versus compared to a focused conversation where you can feel more comfortable, you can sort of take your time. And, and I think that that helps a bunch. The other thing is I would ask the, the folks that run the co-working space, if there's any tools for connecting online. A big part of our community that is almost invisible until you become a member is our online community. And we actually treat our online gathering spaces, which we use Slack, which I'm sure lots of remote folks listening are familiar with Slack. We use an email discussion list tool that we actually built in-house as sort of a blend of the two but in a in a co-working space, the odds of everyone who's a member there being in the room every day tend to be kind of slim because folks are dropping in a couple of days a week, once a month. Actually, 60% of our members are here once a month or less. And a big part of the way we make wow. that work is because our online community, we put a lot as much, almost sometimes more energy into helping that, helping people get connected there. And when folks are new, we encourage them to introduce themselves online, which can take a lot of the pressure off of a one-on-one -on -one or a group interaction. And and this leads to sort of my, my, my third tip, I suppose, which is how you introduce yourself. I think sometimes an introvert, you know, crowds may be part of it. Sometimes it's also just not feeling super comfortable, you know, talking about yourself, talking about your work. That's okay. One of the things that I think people sometimes underestimate with a, the folks that are in a co-working space is, you know, they're they sometimes at least because they're curious about what other people are working on too. So, you know, you have the ability to ask 
other people what they're working on. You can practice getting curious about other people rather than feeling like the spotlight is on you. Turn the spotlight around on the other people and say, well, you know, I'm interested into, I'll give you a great concrete example that's got nothing to do with work as well. One of the best bonding tools that we've discovered are things like music, movies, comic books, food, cooking, travel, like personal, like deeply personal creative passions that are often adjacent to at best, okay. but are, are, have nothing to often have nothing to do with work. So comic books as a concrete example, if there's any, uh, yeah, what? comic books okay. have become this incredible tool for folks who maybe they collected comics as a kid, but it's been a while and they see we actually have a comic book spinner here in this space. People see that people see that and they're curious about it. And so, you know, have you ever read comics? And sometimes the answer is yes. And I'm like, well, you know, sometimes folks you know want to get back into it. And so this rack is full of stuff that our members who love comics have curated and you can actually see on it who suggested it. So if you find a book you like, you can go mention them and, and thank them. So I've actually given you a physical token, a re a you excuse to go talk to a member about a thing you know you have in common now or, or if you're n if you've never read comics books before sometimes just this story piques the interest enough of people to say well maybe i'd like to read a comic well, you know and then we can say all right well if you're maybe more to a graphic novel or you know if you're just more familiar with mainstream characters here's something that's a little more similar to that or if you're interested in you know politics or feminism there's some great books that, that are around that so like we like comic books have and i'm not <laughs> saying comic books are the solution but the fact that comic books have become this sort of multifaceted tool, I think, or a clue. You could deploy all of this on music or on movies or on a bunch of other things that I mentioned before. But I think if you think about what are the what are the things that you're really deeply passionate about and, and if you're willing to be a little bit open about what those are and see who else is in the room and use that as a conversation starter, I, I think that a lot of the the less likely to be voted most social first introduce themselves folks can find themselves in really engaging, energizing conversations with someone that they have something in common. That's amazing. About. And I mean, you've helped me reflect a little bit in that, you know, the spicy sauces we were talking about, like on Thursday, you know, exactly. people pull them out and they just throw them on the table. And then this conversation happens like, hey, you know, did you try this one this week? Or no new person's like, hey, do you like spicy stuff? you know, are into this and it, it does spur a little bit of a conversation and it's a bit of an anchor or even a tradition, you know? And so it's, it's like an easy way to engage in some kind of conversation or rapport building by just asking them if you're into spicy stuff and Hey, this is my favorite one. You don't consider that if you haven't tried any of them yet. And it's in the same way that maybe the comics books are, are kind of a way to, wow, that's, that, I mean, that's subtle, man. That's really cool. How did you know going into it? Like these comic books are like, yeah, people are going to no. build relationships through these darn comics heck no, yeah but it's one of those things that you know i think my so my background in technology and systems means i'm i'm a patterns person my brain picks up on all kinds of things and when i see something work once i get really curious about what i can do to make it happen again and a lot of the sort of social design of our our community and and the culture and the workspace itself is designed it's it's less about making things happen it's more about letting things happen which is that subtlety that I think you're talking mm -hmm. about is like, what's the thing that I can put in the room that if that conversation was going to happen, this is going to increase the probability or it'll remove a barrier for somebody. Sometimes people are terrible at coming up with a conversation topic. So let's give them something to talk about. And whatever that thing is, you know, the conversation can wander and meander from there. And with any group of people, there's a good chance that it will. But yeah, man, I've learned so much from all of the different personalities, all of the different work styles. You know, we, we have have the advantage of everyone or just about everyone that's here is working 
independently of other people in this room. We've got some small teams, but even you know the, the folks who are remote are here. They're in control of their day to some degree. They're in control of yes. their work style. That's part of why they chose to work remote, if they chose to work remote, is because they want to be in control of that choice. And so I've learned to, initially it was a lot of my own, like, how do I want to work? Um, and so we designed a lot around that, but I've pretty quickly understood that there were more ways than one. And especially as we've grown to continue being inclusive and, and supportive of a wide range of folks to really take to heart that if somebody sees something that doesn't fit for them, it doesn't mean we have to change everything, but it might mean that there's an opportunity to add something new to the mix, add a new consideration for, you know, whether it's a new mm -hmm. zone or a new activity or just a new ritual or a new bit of communication to make things clearer. That makes sense. All right. A bit out of left field. How, you know, if you thought about these virtual co-working spaces, mm -hmm. I was reading this article this week about, I think, EXP Realtor, Realty, they made this um, virtual city where they can have their 5,000 employees kind of jump in in an avatar and kind of meet with meet with each other. And there's a couple of other tools that I've seen where you can get together in rooms and move around in the space and you can be by yourself and kind of see people like is that going to work? Is well, it better than face to face? Is it so, you know? I mean, here's here's the the good part. The good part is we're experimenting and we're realizing that some of the tools that we have, you know, text for instance, you know, think about like growing up on the internet over text and the the depth of relationships and connections I was able to build with text only chat in my younger years is kind of incredible. And I think part of that is growing up in it and it becomes normal, but it's not normal for the, I'd say the vast majority of the adult population now. The next generation, maybe, but they've also grown up with some richer media, you know, whether it's photos or video or FaceTime or video chat like, like you and I are able to do today. So I think there's some cultural growth around what we're used to that, that plays a part in this. You know, I remain pretty skeptical that fully virtual will ever replace entirely replace in person because there's so much of our own brains and emotion that we don't really understand there's so much nuance that even video chat while i mean i think about the ability to, to have a conversation you know across country you know across literal borders across time zones even if we wanted to do things asynchronously is possible and you can see micro expressions in my face and my gestures and you hear it in my voice which is so much better than just voice which is so much better than just text but we don't even fully know how our brains process this stuff so to try and create or recreate the stuff that we don't know how we process seems out of reach to me so to me i think the virtual stuff will always be an approximation an ever increasing approximation of reality however I think that there's something about physicality that we're wired for when it comes to building trust. And there's a there's an element of of intimacy of literally being in the same room that I don't know we figured out how to recreate or if we even understand how it entirely works. So, I mean, there's a reason why companies invest tons of money in doing retreats, right? Even if those companies are physically in the same building, but it's increasingly realized that it's so critical for virtual teams to come together at least a couple of times a year. And I think, you know, early remote teams, that was one of the first things they figured out. If we're going to spend all day working in a chat room, we need to get together in person once in a while. And the other, I think the other part of it is like, we get into, 
you know, if I get into a virtual space, along with it comes the mindset of now I'm in this space to do a thing. And I think the thing you miss out on is what happens when you're not in, mo in, the, in that modality, in that work mode, where you're just being you, you know, the serendipity of a conversation. You can't serendipitously stumble into a virtual conversation, at least not yet. And we, I don't think we've really figured out what that would be like. But, you know, I think hmm. about the difference of what happens when we're sitting down around a meal with with a remote my remote teammates and how the conversation the wandering conversation the stuff that we never make time for in our work day that comes up what we learn about each other both the the concrete things as well as the subtleties of each other's sense of humor and things like that how quickly we absorb that in that physical time we spend together but then we get together back online and we're able to kind of remember all those nuances and apply them to the virtual interaction so i think the 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 best scenario that we have today and i think in the near future will be a, will always be a hybrid of the two these online tools will allow for increasingly improved continuity between in-person interactions but i don't see us ever replacing them entirely alex thanks a lot for coming on the show today my pleasure i'm glad to, glad uh, to be able to share and hope that some of this is able to help some folks that are considering a, a co-working space near them. Hey man, I go to a co-working space myself and this is helpful for me. So that's great. If people Excellent. want to learn more about who you are, what you're up to, what's the best way for them to, you know, connect? Sure. Um, I'm pretty active on Twitter, at uh, Alex Hillman. You can hit me up there. I still write about co-working and community building related stuff on my personal site, which is dangerouslyawesome.com. Um, if you're ever in Philadelphia and you want to come by and, and spend a day or a week or whatever, you want to move to Philadelphia and come be a part of Indie <laughs> Hall, we'd love to. I love to show you around and, and answer questions. And if you, you know, have questions about these experiences, either as a co-worker or someone who's considering building community of other remote workers like yourself, I've got lots of stuff on Dangerously Awesome. I'm also always happy to answer questions over email, alex at indiehall.org. All right. So from Alex and Jevin, this is Building Remote Teams. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Hey, listeners. We're really trying to get the message out about how remote teams can be so awesome. If you found this podcast helpful, would you take 60 seconds to leave us a review in iTunes? It helps us rank to have more people learn about this show, and it helps us know which content is the most helpful. As a thank you, I'll try to read every review on the show and give you a shout out. Thanks a lot.